0: Bibles, go over to me, go over with me to Genesis chapter 1, and Genesis chapter 1 or page 1, that shouldn't be too hard to find, amen? <laughs> sometimes those minor prophet books, you know, you turn to that, you know, and, and uh, it takes five minutes to find it sometimes, you know what I mean? Unless you have a computer, makes it really easy, amen? But in first, or uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. And again, we're talking about the power of the spoken word of God. And it says, in the beginning, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Notice that. How many of you know the Spirit of God is still moving today? In verse four, or th- three, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Now for the sake of time today, we're not going to read the whole rest of the uh, the history of creation in here. I just wanted to read the first couple of verses, but you'll find that there are eight times in the beginning when God created everything that exists today, that He used the Avenue of words to create everything that exists today. How many of you know that? God said, and there was. God said, let there be, and there was. So there's eight times. Amen. He created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rested, not because he was tired, it's just because he was finished. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the kind of God we serve. Hallelujah. I mean, think about everything that we have. When God said, let there be light, do you know that light is still traveling at the speed of light? And scientists have discovered new galaxies and new uh, things that are out there they never thought were there before. Because where does it stop? That's how big, we, the big of a God that we serve. But God said, and then there was. God could have snapped His finger and created, but He chose the avenue of words to create everything that exists on the planet today, and also in the in the heavens as well. Okay, now go to Genesis uh, chapter two, Genesis chapter two, and then verse seven. That's just right next door. Genesis chapter two, and verse seven. So, how did God create everything with what? With words. With words all right. Now we're talking about the power of the spoken word. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay? So, our, Adam's body came from the ground. And when God formed man's body, it was, just, it was lifeless. It was just like a statue of clay standing there. But it wasn't until God got in His face and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life that man became a living soul, just like God. Amen? Now, I brought out the fact in the last couple of sessions, and I'll do it again today, that the Hebrew sages in the, in the uh, uh, Jewish Hamash, I have a, a copy of those as well in my office, and the Jewish sages said it like this. This is how they interpreted this. When God created man... In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, He created him as another speaking spirit just like God Himself. Amen? Because when God created us, He created us in His likeness and in His image. When God created the cattle and the livestock and the fish and the birds and everything that's out there, not one time did He say, I've created this bird in my likeness and in my image. They're in a different class. Now some people don't know that. (laughs) Some people treat the animal kingdom as precious as humanity. That's not good. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. Animals are important, but they're not in the same class as you and I. Amen? Amen. And um, when God created us, He created us in His likeness. That's why you cannot fellowship with a cow or a dog or an animal. Now, you can talk to them. You can say, you know, how many of you talk to your animals? You know what I'm talking about? I do too, you know. Yeah. But that thing never had dog. That cat's never talked back to me yet. Why? Because they're not in my, in my class. You're a classy person. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. That's why the angel said, it says, Who is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? And it says he made him, that's Adam, a little lower than it says the angels in the King James. It's, it's actually the word Elohim. That means God. God just made us a shade lower than Himself. But that's why we can fellowship and we can commune with one another because we are spirits made after the likeness and the image of God. Amen. Now, God chose the avenue of words to create everything that exists today. Okay? Now, why am I saying that? Because what you say, we're going to look at some scriptures here again uh, from the Bible And if you go to uh, Proverbs chapter 18 again, I want want you to see this. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Thank you, Lord. Remember when my children were born, you know, and and some of their first words that you remember, you know, dada, mama, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I mean, to us, that's a big deal, isn't it? How I many remember when your kids said that to you? It's like, whew, they said the first time my name, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Because they're made in your likeness in your image. They're able to communicate with you. Praise God. Now notice um, in Gen- I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, it says here that death and life are in the power of the tongue. What's in the power of the tongue? Death and life. Okay? Are in the power of the tongue. Notice it doesn't say that death and life are are in the power of the devil. Secondly, it doesn't say that death and life are in the power of God. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay? So what what does that mean? That means what you say is either carrying containers of life or containers of death. Amen. Amen. And... uh, the, uh, what was it, the ERV, which is the, the easy to read version of this same verse here, I'll just read it to you. It says, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. Amen. Now, real quickly, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 30 again. I want to kind of just lay a foundation here and review a little bit the last few weeks here. In Deuteronomy thirty, verse nineteen, the uh, word of God says here in verse nineteen, he says, I call to heaven, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. Now notice the notice right here he says, I've set before you life and death. Now listen really carefully. God has set before us life and death, blessing and cursing. But notice the choice is ours. He says, "Choose life." He tells us what to choose. Amen. Amen. That both you and your seed may live. Now, for the sake of time, uh, I'm just going to refer to this this morning. But in John 6:63, 6, Jesus said this. He says, "The spirit—it's the spirit that quickeneth the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit." And they are life. All right. So when you tie these like Deuteronomy 30 and then John 6, you realize when he says, choose life, so how do you choose life? And when I initially read this verse years ago when I was a young believer, I thought, okay, if I choose life, how do I do that? Well, John 6:63 6, says, the words that I speak unto you, they are seek and seed up there, they are spirit, and they are life. So, when you choose God's Word, you are choosing life. Amen? Well, what's the opposite of life? Death. Now, Jesus said this. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen? So, if if we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then the opposite will be true, that we die by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the devil. Right? The law of reciprocals. Can you all handle this this morning? Okay. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, I know that there have been some well-meaning people and religious people, even Christians, through the years that don't understand and don't have a revelation about, and I have been taught on this in many, many years, that do not have an understanding about the power of the tongue. And they think, oh, they're called the blab it and grab it, name it, claim it, possess it, confess it, possess it, people, you know. (laughs) Well, people that say those kind of things lack revelation of the Word of God. Because my Bible tells me in John chapter 10 that you're saved by words. That if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. You were born again from darkness to light by the words that you spoke. Okay? So, that was the ultimate. I mean, you can't get any bigger than that. A miracle, The greatest miracle that exists today is the miracle of the new birth when someone comes out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light. Spiritual death to spiritual life. The Bible says we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. John says that in his epistle. Now that's not physical death. That's spiritual death. We know that we've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life because we love the brethren. Amen? That's one of the, one, one of the telltale signs when you're born again because the love of God in Romans 5.5 has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Amen? The closer I get to God, the more I fall in love with people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen? I mean, it's just, it goes hand in hand. Because when you love God, you can't help but translate that, that's your vertical relationship with God will affect your horizontal relationship with people. Amen? So, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So, the way that we choose life is we choose the Word of God. Amen? Now, I'm standing up here with a little experience in my life. And I'll tell you, I've received some, some miracles in my life. Not only spiritually, miracles financially. Amen? Miracles physically. Where my life was in danger two times. I mean, serious danger. Okay? From the natural, I shouldn't even be here right now. You know what I'm saying? But choosing God's Word over the natural, spared my life, saved my life. So I have a gratitude towards the Word of God. I value the Word of God. And what you value will be drawn to you. Did you know that? What you value will be drawn to you. How many of you value the Word of God? Some people despise, they don't don't value the Word of God. It's like, oh, like Eleanor was saying. Some people say, that's just another book. (laughs) No, it ain't. (laughs) No, it isn't. It's the Word of God. Now, go real quickly to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 12. And before I read this, let me say this again and back up here a little bit. One of the greatest lies the devil has ever sowed to the church about is that is this. Your words don't mean anything. You can say whatever you want, whenever you want. It will not affect you good or bad. That's one of the biggest lies that he has ever sown to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But death and life are both in the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. Remember that years ago, that TV show, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Was that hee-haw or something like that? Remember that? Some of you all remember that. (laughs) If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, some people, they go through life like that. If something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. And you know, you all have an inward voice. How many of you know you've got an inward voice? You talk to yourself all the time. <laughs> Nothing ever works for me. Well, we can change the way we think, we can change the way we talk, and we can turn the ship around. Amen? Now Proverbs chapter 12 verse verse 18 says, There is he that speaketh like the piercings of the sword. But notice this. The tongue of the wise is health. Hmm. The tongue of the wise is health. So when you talk sickness and you talk disease, someone says, Well, that sounds like Christian science, Brother Keith. No, we're not talking Christian science. We're talking Bible sense. Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what you say about yourself... I know people today that are alive today, personally, that should be dead, but they're alive and they're doing well because they chose the Word of God as a superiority over the natural realm. Okay? Now, how many of you know there is such a thing, and it's a blessing, called the law of gravity? How many of you are familiar with the law of gravity? Okay. Now, that law of gravity is for this earth to be a blessing to us now, that law can also hurt you bad if you abuse it, right? There are certain laws that govern that type of thing. If you jump off a building, the law of gravity says you're going down, <laughs> right? But that's a law. We call it a law of gravity. There's different laws, the laws of electricity. There's laws of gravity. But uh, there's another law called the law of thrust and lift in the, in the aeronautics, and the airline industry, that that's another law but it supersedes the law of gravity. Gravity's still there, but the law of thrust and lift overcomes the law of gravity. It doesn't do away with it. It overcomes it, okay? I just flew back from Texas. And, you know, I, and when I got on that aircraft, I didn't think, ooh, I hope this thing flies. <laughs> didn't white-knuckle it. You know what I'm saying? No, the laws always work. You know, the law, those laws of gravity, the laws of thrust and lift could have worked in the Garden of Eden. They just didn't have the knowledge yet. Okay? And uh, there are, the Bible says the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So there's the law of sin and death that's in the world today, sickness and disease. But the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, frees us from the law of sin and death. Amen? Uh, John G. Lake, how many you have ever heard of John G. Lake before? Had tremendous revival. He came out of, uh, Pena, out of uh, uh, Azusa Street back in the early 1900s and had, I love studying about these guys, you know, from like 1901, 1902 and, and the Azusa, how many of have ever heard of the Azusa Street revival that happened? Oh my goodness, the, the, sh- the great awakening that shook this planet. I mean, it, it impacted not only the United States, but the entire globe. We're coming into that again. There's going to be another great awakening. And we're in the beginning stages of that right now. Let me tell you something. We're in the beginning stages of it right now. John G. Lake was known for his revelation on the spirit of life. And he was over in, in, the, um, in Africa, one of the countries in Africa, back in the early 1900s. And there was the bubonic plague which was taken out. Scores of people, killing people, all young men, young women, boys, girls, older people, younger people, just wiping like a genocide type thing, you know, just wiping out whole groups of people, you know. And from the natural, there was no cure for it. The Lord said, I want you to go over to Africa. You know. He had no fear. Did you ever notice that when Jesus laid hands on the leper, he didn't put a white glove on? Give me that latex glove first. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't do that. Why? Because he didn't have fear in him. And John G. Lake went over there and uh, was amongst all the people. The bubonic plague, you know, and there was a bloody—I'm not trying to be gross here—but there was a bloody froth that would come out in, the, in the, the death of these people. You know, that would come out, just nasty. So much of the devil. And he went over there by the direction of the Lord. And the medical people over there came up to him and says. He says, "Uh, Mr. Lake, have you gotten your vaccination yet? Is a really concern, you know, from the natural. And uh, he says, no. He says, I got my vaccine back back in America. He says, well, what are you talking about? You can only get it over here. He says, well, here's my vaccination. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And you know, people, when they hear that, they look up, he's one of those. He's one of those religious freaks, right? So he he thought. So they kept pressing the issue. He says, I'm telling you, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, that's my my safety net right there. He says, I'll tell you what to do. He says, go over there. And they had, you know, microscopes and things like that in their science, their medical field that was over there. He said, go over there and scrape off some of that bloody froth that, you know, when they foam at the mouth. He says, I want you to put it under a microscope and I want you to tell me what you see. So they did that, and they went over there and looked under, and they saw, of course, germs moving every which way, you know. He says, he goes, now, he says, take that same substance that you just put under the microscope, put it on my hand, just on the top of my hand, and he says, when you do that, then take it off, take it, put it right back under the microscope, and see. tell me what you see. See, this man had a revelation. He had a revelation of dominion of what we have in Jesus Christ. So they did that. They took that out, put it under the microscope, put it on his hand, took it back, put it under the microscope and found that every single germ was dead. It died instantly. When it touched Lake's hand, it died instantly. And they were just like flabbergasted. They're like, he said, I told you the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. And so he went over there and and pursued and went after souls and the kingdom of God and divine healing and things that took place, if you read about him. And, uh, but the, the point I'm trying to make is this, is that every believer has access to the same thing. Every believer has just as much dominion and authority over Satan and demons and evil spirits as the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because Jesus says, I've given you my name, and my name you will cast out devils, In my name, you'll speak with new tongues. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick. Mark chapter 16. So, if you're going to argue with that, go to Jesus. He's the one that said it. (laughs) Right? Glory to God. And um, every believer has absolute, total dominion over Satan and demons and evil spirits only if they know it. Okay? Okay? That's why a church like ours, and there's other churches like ours, is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Thank God. Because it's when you know who you are in Christ that Satan cannot no longer take advantage of you. He can't do it. He might try, but you have absolute dominion. Everybody smile a little bit this morning. Just loosen up, okay? This is good news, okay? This is not bad news, okay? I'm not standing up here telling what you can't do. Or you won't do, I'm telling you what, here's what you have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I have cast out demons in my life and they came out. Okay? I've laid hands on the sick and I've seen them recover. I speak with tongues. I've been speaking in tongues since 1982. Amen? So it's too late for someone to come along and say, it's not for today. Amen? I know the power of the name of Jesus. I know what it can do. Praise Amen. God. Now, I'm going to read the Amplified of Proverbs 12:18. It says, There is those that speak rashly like the piercing of the sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. All right? Now, go to uh, Proverbs real quickly here. 13, Proverbs 13, if you look up on the screen, verse 2 and 3, it says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. And he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. See see how the mouth, the connection there? Then go to Proverbs 21. Just one more here in Proverbs. Proverbs 21 verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. So, if you want to keep yourself from troubles... If you want to keep your soul from troubles, how many want to keep yourself getting out of trouble? (laughs) Hallelujah. See, we need to get phrases out of our vocabulary. I'm not trying to be nitpicky here, but I'm just trying to be biblical and scriptural. The Lord has corrected me at times for saying things that are, you know, uh, Satan is a legalist, and he'll take the words that you say and use it against you. But we ought to get words like death out of our vocabulary. I've heard people say, Christian people say, I just love them to death. How many of you have ever heard that before? I just love them to death. And I know what they mean. But do you really love them enough to kill them? Or that scared me to death. Okay? Amen. I may, may mention of the fact here in some modern examples what I'm talking about. There was a lady, Charles Caps talked about, there was a lady who went to a doctor. It was having, having this intense fever, couldn't shake it, couldn't get rid of it. So she went to the doctor, you know, and a couple of times, and he didn't know what to do because it was like there was, it just kept happening. She kept having this, fir- this, this uh, her temperature kept going as fever, you know. And, but he noticed something when she would talk. She kept saying these words, that just burns me up. That just burns me up. Now, this was a Christian doctor. He says, uh, can I make a suggestion to you? She said, well, sure, doc. She sa- he, he said to her, true story. He said, I, would, uh, I want you to quit saying that phrase that burns me up. Okay? She goes, oh, okay. I'll do that, you know. Well, just so happened that, that when she stopped saying that, that fever left her. And that thing had been on her. She couldn't shake it. Couldn't get rid of it. She went back to the doctor says, I don't need to come back anymore. I'm healed. Okay? Now was that just happenstance or circumstance? I don't believe so. Hallelujah. I made mention of the fact that uh, uh, Elvis Presley, you know, his mother passed away at 46 years of age. He was very close to his mother in Tennessee. And it really shook his world, rocked his world, you know, and... and. Uh, and he made mention, he said this several times to different people. It's recorded. He says, I will never outlive my mother. And it just so happened that he passed away at 42 years of age, just a young man. Okay? And I believe that Elvis did know the Lord. But see, you can know the Lord, but use the laws of sin and death, and it can be used against you. Okay? I know people, for example, that said, I'll never live past the age of. Fifty or forty-five or something like that, and they're not here to this day. Now, what? what why, why is that the case? Because you are. Now listen to this phrase: You are the prophet of your own life. What you say about you has more power than what other people say about you. It's what you say, Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Say, so what, what does that mean, Brother Keith? Now, stay with me, okay? Don't throw any rocks at me right now. But, you know, I'm trying to help you. And the Word of God is life. And if we choose the Word of God, we can speak life over our physical bodies. We can speak life over our finances. We can speak life over our relationships. I mean, if you're having a troubled relationship, you can speak life to it. And watch it turn around. Watch it change. Glory to God. Now, go to Matthew, real quick, chapter 12 here. I'm just reading some Scripture here about the tongue and so forth, and we're going to get into the meat of this here today. But in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, I know what it's like to eat the fruit of bad words, (laughs) but I also know what it's like to eat the fruit of speaking God's Word. Now, I don't know how it works. I just know that it works. Amen. Jesus talked about the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. You know, He, says the, he said that the, 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 the ground is like the heart of man and the seed is the Word of God. As a parable, you know, the sower. And He says the farmer plants the seed in the ground, waters the seed, goes to bed, gets up in the morning. The seed groweth. But He doesn't know how, does it? It just happens. That farmer doesn't understand how that seed actually grows, but he knows the process. You have to plant it, you have to water the seed, and then things start to germinate, things come to pass. All right? Now, the Word of God in 1 Peter 1.23 says, "We're we're we're born again, not of corruptible, but incorruptible seed by the Word of God. Notice the seed, the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So, the Word of God is the incorruptible seed. Scripture is the incorruptible Word of Seed. What does that mean? It cannot be destroyed. So, when you put the Word of God, the incorruptible seed, in the ground of your heart, and you say it with your mouth, then that's what's planted in your heart. That is what is going to come to pass. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? You can say amen if you want. Okay? All right? Now, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 says, Either make a tree good, and the fruit good, or else make a tree corrupt. For his, tr- for his fruit corrupt... Let me back up here. And his fruit corrupt... For the tree is known by its food. Verse 34. O generation of vipers. Now Jesus is talking to the religious folks here, <laughs> the Jewish people. You bunch of vipers, bunch of snakes. Oh, you know they love that. He says, How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Do you see that phrase right there? Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth what? Speaketh. Verse 35. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. I love this. It says, A good man, or woman, out of the good treasure of his heart, notice this, bringeth forth. Say that. (laughs) Say it again. Okay, notice a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. Is healing good? Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> healing is good. It says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. In other words, what's in your heart coming out of your mouth will bring forth good things. Amen. Now my father taught me to fish when I was younger. That's one thing we used to do together. And... uh if you know anything about fishing you have to have a reel and a rod you know and you throw the thing out there you got bait on it but when that fish hits that line you got to start reeling it in and i remember the first time i caught my first fish It was only about this big i felt like i was reeling in a piece of gold i was like my god i caught a fish you know and, and i used to love that time with my father when i was when i was really young you know and uh but, you know, if it was on your line, you had to reel it in. And that, I mean, the, the, the coolest thing was looking out there, because we'd use those bobbers, those little red and white bobbers, you know. And it would, it would start doing this, you know, like, there's a fish on there. I couldn't see it yet. But it, you knew it was on there. You could feel it, okay. One time we were at the ocean a number of years ago. And we were, we were out on the uh, uh, the pier, the fishing pier at the ocean, Myrtle Beach area, you know. And we decided to rent some poles and fish, you know. Of course, down there, you never know what you're going to catch. You know, it's, it's an absolute mystery. It could be anything, right? <laughs> and so, we, I wasn't catching anything. So, I, I, I took a little break. I said, Lynn, can you just hold my pole for a second? So, she held the pole. And within a, about two minutes, all of a sudden, a spinner shark got on the line. And I just went, you know, saw it jump out of the water and spin around, you know, and broke that line. You know what I'm sure. saying? Well, we had it for a second. It was so powerful, it just broke the line, you know. So, anyway, when, when you throw up that bait there and you catch a fish, you still have to reel it in. And the bigger the fish, the slower that process is going to be. All right? I've caught some good-sized bass in my day, you know, and some largemouth bass, praise the Lord. That's an exciting thing, you know. Then I stuck it on my wall, and it talks to me. You know that bass that talks to you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Was it Billy Bass or something like that? I don't know. My point being this, that you reel in the blessings of God by the words of your mouth. That's how you do it. I speak life to this body. I speak life in Jesus' name, right? Or to any area of your life. And you begin to reel it in. Now, the thing is, is here's an example. Thank you, Holy Spirit that when you first catch that fish and you see the line go down, the bobber goes down, and you're reeling in it, you can't see the fish. But you don't doubt for one second. You know that there's evidence, there's symptoms, that there's a fish on that line. You don't see the fish yet. So you don't throw the pole down and say, I don't see the fish. Forget this. This fish and stuff doesn't work. No, you've got it on the line. You just can't see it yet. There's a revelation there. But you just keep reeling it in, reeling it in before you know it. In the process of time, you can see it in the water. Before you know it, you're pulling it out of the water. Okay? So we shouldn't become weary in well-doing when we, we cast out our faith out there and we're reeling in the promises of God. Just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean that something's not on your line. Amen? Amen. I never thought of that until right now. Didn't we pray for revelation before we started? Praise God. So just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean it's not happening. Amen? So, uh, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. On the same token, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Amen. I may mention of the fact, you know, some time ago there was a, a lady that was going to get married. Make it real short, long story real short. And she kept having this thought. She was being counseled by a, a minister, a friend of mine, about the wedding plans you know, in preparation for the wedding. And she kept saying over and over again when he would meet with them for counseling, premarital counseling, he, she kept saying, the wife-to-be kept saying, I just have this weird idea that I'm going to sprain or break my ankle and I won't be able to walk down the aisle. And she kept saying that. He noticed that. He says, honey, you ought, you ought not be saying that. Well, a few months later, guess what happened? Their wedding day came. She fell and broke her ankle. Amen. Had to use crutches or some other means to get down the aisle and get married. Okay? Someone says, well, that was just circumstance. No, she prophesied it into being because her fear was released through her mouth. Listen, listen very carefully here. Faith and fear are both released through the words of your mouth. How many of you know that? And if you don't, if fearful thoughts, they come to all of us. Fear-filled thoughts come to all of us, but if you don't speak those words, they die unborn. Okay? So Satan tries to give you a thought, an evil thought, a bad thought, something negative, something bad, and he wants you to give voice to it because it's the voice that kind of seals the deal, that reels it in. So an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth an evil, you know, out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks. So whatever is in your heart in abundance will come out of your mouth. Now the good news is is that you can change what's in your heart. All of us here, including myself, there are things that we need to constantly put on the inside of us to negate negative ways of thinking. How many of you, most of us here, to be honest with you, we did not grow up in Holy Ghost filled word based homes. I didn't. I got born again before my parents did. In fact, I was we they they were in their what, 40s, I think, before they got saved, late 40s, you know. My sister and I got born again when we were teenagers. Well, we all we knew was just religion. We grew up in a United Methodist church, you know. They were good folks, but they weren't born again, at least the church I was going to. So we knew nothing about the power of words and things like this in uh Um, At first when I heard teaching like this, I was like, this is so foreign and so new to my way of thinking. It was like, is this really true? But you know, you're reading Scripture, right? You're reading the Bible. If it's in the Word of God, it's safe ground. Hallelujah. We can turn the ship around. And he says, uh, verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So words are really important, aren't they? Now, for the sake of time here, we're not going to go read this, but you remember in the book of James, in the book of James, he says the tongue is a world of iniquity. It sets on fire, the, 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 it sets, uh, how's it go? Let's just go there. <laughs> okay, James chapter 3, you can handle this, amen? James chapter 3, verse 2. I want you to see this. For in many things, verse 2, we offend all. But if any offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, we made mention of the fact that James is Jesus' half-brother. They came up in the same household. James's parents were Joseph was his father, Mary was his mother. Now, Jesus was born of a virgin Mary, right? But after they had Jesus, they had other children together. The Bible is very clear about that. Jesus had other brothers and sisters So, James grew up with the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus being the eldest. And so, if anybody had revelation of how Jesus operated, it was James because they came out of the same house. How many of you know when you have a brother or sister, you know things about them that other people don't know? (laughs) The good, the bad, the ugly, right? Well, in Jesus' case, it was all good. But one thing Jesus, one thing that, that James learned, one thing that James learned Was that Jesus controlled his tongue? Boy, did he control his tongue. Now, verse 3 says, He says, Look, he says, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us and turn about their whole body. He says, Look at the ships. Though they are so great or driven with fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth or the rudder. Even so, verse 5 The tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. "'Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. "'The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. "'The tongue among our members, it defileth the whole body. "'It setteth on fire the course of hell. "'It is set on fire of hell. "'For every kind of beast and birds and serpents "'and things of the sea can be tamed "'and hath been tamed by mankind, "'but the tongue can no man tame. "'It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison.'" Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith we curse men who are made after the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? And can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs. So can a fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now, he is talking about, he uses the phrase kindling. Anybody familiar with kindling? You ever start a fire before? One time I tried, when I was a young youngster, you know, I tried to start a fire with just going to lighten a match under a big log. And I was like, what's wrong with these matches? It's not working. And whoever I was, my camp counselor said, I was just really young, stupid and young. And my counselor says, hey, you got to use some kindling. That match is not going to work on that big log. So he showed me what to do. He got a little bunch of little, st- whenever they get some sticks and leaves and stuff like that. You know what kindling is. And you put it under the big log and you set the kindling on fire. And before you know it, the log is on fire. Okay? But you know, once that fire starts, you can't go digging around and find the kindling. Where's the kindling at? It's already burned up. Okay? Think about how these massive forest fires out west started with one spark. One little match. Sound like Smokey the Bear how it started with one match and that match ignited and it just spread and grew and grew and spread till it destroyed acres and maybe miles of, of land. He said the tongue is exactly the same way. He said, now don't get discouraged when it says the tongue no man can tame. That's true. That's why God gave us the Holy Ghost to control Amen. what we say. Amen? Everybody agree with that? Yes. So we can say things, praise the Lord. See, if you've got your own business, you ought to be speaking good things over your business. You're starting a company, you've got a business, you ought to be speaking good things. Say, so this company is blessed in the name of Jesus. I've got more people than I know what to do with. People are coming in from the right and from the left, from the north, south, east, and west. Money is coming to me. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur ideas are coming to me. You're, by doing that, you're releasing life into the atmosphere so that God can reel it in. He can cause you to reel that thing into your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. My son has a business, has a, land, a landscape business, you know. And he, has, he had X amount of lawns. He was sharing this yesterday at the Bible study, the men's Bible study. He had X amount of lawns last year, and he wanted to double that. So he started saying that. He goes, I'm doubling out this year. I'm doubling out. Guess what? That's exactly what he has this year. I watched his faith work, and it came to pass. Now, of course, he had his part in it. He just didn't lay back and do anything. But people were coming to him, too, supernaturally. Amen? You can have what you say if you believe it in your heart. Amen? Now, he uses this illustration here. Gosh, I wish I had more time. That it's like the bit in a horse's mouth. Now, I, I had a little experience growing up with with... With horses, You know, we used to go to this horse camp, my sister and I, for a whole week every summer, we'd get our own horse. And they would train us how to, you know, how to brush that horse, how to saddle that horse, how to... All the de- details with horses, okay? How to put the bit in his mouth. One thing I noticed, the bit was only about as long as this phone. Really thin metal. But that bit and that 1,200-pound horse that little bit would control which direction that horse was going to go. If I wanted to go this way, I'd pull the reins over this way, put pressure on that mouth of that horse. And if I wanted to go in reverse, I would pull back on both of them, that horse would back up. you hear beep, 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 beep. (laughs) uh, But that that big 1,200-pound horse, huge horse, was controlled by a little tiny bit. And then today, you've got these ocean liners and these cruise ships. Anybody ever gone on a cruise before? I never have. It'll be a first time. But these massive boats, and relative, relatively speaking, when you look at the size of the boat compared to the rudder of the ship, it's so much smaller. But that little rudder will determine which direction that big ocean liner is going to go. He said, so the tongue is just like the bit in a horse's mouth. The tongue is like the rudder on a ship. And when you speak life, you can start to turn the ship around. Now here's another revelation I had about this some time ago. That a big the bigger the ship, the harder the longer it takes for it to turn around. Because it's cutting water. I mean it's cutting water, it takes a little, now a little. A little sailboat or something like that. Something small. It doesn't take very long to turn that thing around. But you've got these massive cruise ships, you know, that hold, I mean, I don't know how many pounds those things are. It's massive. Whole cities on this thing, you know. And, uh, but that, that captain of that ship knows that when he wants to go south, he has to turn that wheel a certain direction. And he has to let that wheel stay in that position. Now, when that captain of that ship first turns that ship, there may not be any evidence that he's starting to go south. In fact, there isn't. Because there's so much weight, so much distance and length on that ship, it takes some time to turn that ship to go that direction. If it's going north, he wants to go south. He's got to hold on to that steering wheel, that ship, and not let go of it for it to go in that direction. But in the process of time, I don't know how long it takes, but in the process of time, if he keeps his hand on the wheel, on the angle that he wants to go, on the direction that he wants to go, eventually that ship will be heading south. But at first, it doesn't look like it. What if he let go of the wheel and said, This thing doesn't work? I thought this thing worked. It's not working. I wanted to go south. I turned south. It didn't go south. No, it's going south. It just takes time to turn the ship around. This might be the most important message you've ever heard in your life today. You know that? And that's why the Bible says, hold fast. Why does the Bible tell us? Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Because the Lord knew we'd be tempted to not hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. He knew that we'd be tempted to say things, oh, this isn't working. It's not working. I prayed for my kids, but it's not working. They're worse. Let me tell you something. The devil always try to throw a smoke screen up. When you're praying about something, he'll make something look worse. When Jesus cast a devil out of somebody, he fell to the ground and wallowed and foamed. It looked worse. But it was on the way out. It was on the way out. That's why the disciples were so messed up about that. And they came to Jesus and said, we tried to cast it out and it didn't work. Well, Jesus knew the secret. You know, you can't be moved by what you see. You can't be moved by what you feel from the natural. We walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? So when you give the word out and you say what the word says and you hold fast, it may look like nothing's happening. Yeah. Folks, if you just said every, anything, if you said the word of God one time and it instantly came to pass, it, there would be no patience required at all. Yeah. You just said it and there it came, right then and there. Okay? That's why the Bible says hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. Amen? When I had that growth on my hand that one time, that big lump golf golf ball size on my right here where this watch is. And that thing was huge. And I would wear long sleeves just to cover it up. Now you've heard that testimony before, but, but you know, the Lord said, do what Mark 11 says, speak to the mountain, command it to go. Speak to it. Curse it in Jesus' name. Well, when I did it, I didn't see any evidence. In fact, it got bigger. It got bigger. My mind was telling me, you don't have enough faith. Isn't that funny how the devil does that? He'll always tell you when you pray, you don't have enough faith. You don't think God's going to hear you. Anybody ever had that happen to you? You don't have what it takes. You're not strong enough in faith. You haven't read your Bible long enough. You haven't prayed long enough. He'll always tell that to you. To make you feel like a worm in the dust. To make you feel like you don't have what it takes. But let me tell you something. If you're born again and Jesus Christ is your Lord, you have what it takes on the inside of you. So the Lord said this. Okay, you've already claimed it. You believe it, haven't you? I said, yeah, Lord. I cursed that thing in Jesus' name. I have felt no, no physical goosebumps, nothing. I felt nothing. But I looked at it and I said, I curse this growth in the name of Jesus. I command it to wither and die. And nothing happened. All right? So I thought. But then the Lord said, well, you, got, you, you believe you got it, right? And I said, yeah. Because Mark 11 says, when you pray, you have to believe you receive it, and then you'll get it. We'll look at that next week. You'll see some powerful things in there. And the Lord instructed me. He says, now. So you believe it. He says, now. Start thanking me for your healing. I learned that from Norval Hayes. I was talking about Norval Hayes when he prayed for us this past week. I learned that many, many years ago. He goes, brother, you have to learn to laugh at your mountain. You know. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he goes, you got to start laughing at your mountains in life, you know. Don't let them intimidate you. So I started to do that. Now, I don't remember ever practicing that before, per se. felt kind of funny doing it. And I'm driving down the road, you know, I'd be going somewhere between places, you know, making my errands or something. And, and, I, and I would look at that and the Lord said, laugh at it. Now, there was no no joke. There was nothing funny. I wasn't watching the Three Stooges. There was nothing funny going on. But, you know, you can laugh by faith. The laugh of faith. Hallelujah. And I would encourage you to start doing that. And I looked at that and I would say, ha, 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 ha. Nobody was around. God was just God in the car and me and God. I'm showing you something here. This went on for for several weeks. So every day I'd look at that thing. I'd say, ha, ha, ha. I'm not praying about this. I already cursed this in Jesus' name. It's gone. It's gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Didn't Jesus say, speak to the mountain? Well, that was a little mountain on my wrist that didn't belong there. That growth, that tumor that was on my hand, that didn't belong on me. And every plant, Jesus said, that my Father's not planted, must be plucked up and rooted away, Amen. That was not a God plant. No cancer, no tumor, no growth is a plant from God. I can tell you that right now, Amen. So if it's not of God, we got to get rid of it. We got to speak to it. We got to re- reject it. Whatever we have to do. But Adora kept saying, "Just laugh at it, laugh at it." So I did. Now again, my mind is telling me it ain't working. It's not working for you. So one night, it was on a summer night. We're out in the front of our yard, our front yard, and we're sitting on our bench. We had a little bench in our front yard. Beautiful summer night. Stars, moon was out. Just gorgeous. I think it was in the month of July. And our family, this has is, this is probably gone, what, 12 years ago now? 12, 13 years ago. And, and the, the kids were all familiar with it, you know. And we're sitting on this, this bench. The four of us squeezed on this little tiny bench in our front yard. And, um, and I was just sitting there and I, and I put my hand on it and I was just under my breath. I was like, oh, Father, thank you for this night. I was just thanking God. Just got caught up in worship and thanking Him, you know. And, I, and, I, and within myself I said, they didn't hear me, but I said, Father, thank you that this thing is gone in Jesus' name. Something like that. And God is my witness. I'm sitting there like this. My hand is on top of it like this. And all of a sudden, like a balloon, it just left. It just popped. It was like... Okay, this has been there for months. Okay? Kept getting bigger. I felt the pressure go down instantly. I mean, like, like that. Like, a, like you let air out of a balloon. Like instantly. And I thought, hmm. Smooth as anything. Like it used to be. And I told... And it was dark out by this time. And I told my family, I said, Do you, wanna, you guys want to see a miracle right now? I said, Come here. Come here. So we went into our little tiny four. We were renting this house. We went into the, you walk through the doors, this tiny four, and there's a light there. I turned the light on. And I said, Look at this. They're like, Praise God. Someone said, Did you get excited when that happened? No. I got excited when I believed that I received it. That's when I got excited. That was just a matter of just like, Praise the Lord. There's the finished deal right there. And that thing has never come back, and it never will come back. Yeah, you were excited. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. Was I excited? Yes, but I really got excited when I when I believed that I was healed. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. So uh, next week we're going to get into uh, this thing here, and I'll just preface it by saying this: the devil will tempt you to say something. See, I even feel resistance when I'm sharing on this. Yeah. I feel resistance. But that's okay. Because we're going to plow through this thing. Okay? Because I know the truth is what sets people free. If you came for religion today, you're not going to get it. But I believe you came for life. Amen? Satan will tempt you to say something negative so that you can eat the fruit of it. Okay? Like uh, talking about your, your, your family history. Well, such and such runs in my family. You know, arthritis, heart disease runs in my family. You know, mm-hmm. insanity runs in my family. And people don't realize that when they say, because the devil, this, the devil's a, he's cursed. And he tries to bring these curses on people so it goes from generation to generation to generation. Amen. But the good news is, is you can break that curse. And it can stop at your tracks. It can stop at your house. Amen? Amen say well alcoholism runs in my family no don't it stops at your house amen. amen addiction runs in my family nope it stops in the name of Jesus at my doorstep hallelujah and uh, that's one thing they always ask you. you know when I when I went into the hospital one time the doctors asked all these questions like okay tell me about your father he was a good man no <laughs> no they want to know medical history do you have any issues with this and with that? You know, they want to know your family history. Okay? They don't want to know about Jesus. They want to know about your dad, your mother, their background. You know, did they suffer this? Did their parents suffer from this? Do you ever know what, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Well, here's the good news. When you got born again, you came into a brand new family. You have a brand new father. God the Father. And whatever curses were trying to come down your natural bloodline through your parents, okay, you can now stop that in the name of Jesus. You can break that. We're going to do that today before we leave here. We can break any of those, those curses that are being transferred down through your family tree. Okay? Because now you have the blood of Jesus Christ over yourself. Amen. And... uh you can put a stop to it. No trespassing. <laughs> you ever see a sign? No trespassing. Right. When I was a kid, they had a big dog at the top of the hill. I remember that it said, "No trespassing. Dangerous dog." And it was. It was a Doberman Pinscher, and that thing would tear people up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had one time. I remember when I was I was probably 12, 13 years old. They. Uh, we had these people move across the street from us, and they were city folks you know and they they were rough people and they moved into the we lived in Boldenboro, whitehall area you know and uh they had a um uh, an army what was it an army um german shepherd. german shepherd vicious i mean that thing was trained to kill people and attack people you know and uh and these people, these, these neighbors of us, were not sanctified. They didn't know Jesus. They were so filled with the devil. I went over there one time and they, they said, Come on over. We can hang out. We can play over here and stuff. Like I said, I'm 12, 13 years old, probably 12. We go over there and the oldest brother takes the dog out of the pen. And I'm like, This thing looks ferocious. It looks so just dangerous. You know what I'm saying? I was like, Whoa, you know? You don't want to mess with this dog, you know? And all of a sudden he takes him off the leash. And I'm thinking, there's no way I cannot run this dog. And the dog stood there. And then the oldest brother goes, "Sick him!" And the dog, within seconds, jumped on me and started tearing me up. I mean to tell you, that thing got a hold of my. I had this. All I remember is this. I had this uh, Hawaiian shirt that I had gotten. I'd saved up to buy this beautiful Hawaiian shirt. You know, those shirts that are all colorful. You know. And within seconds, that thing was just ripped to shreds on the back, you know. And then the dog got a hold of, I guess, my one ear, and there was just blood flowing down the side. And then they finally jumped on him, you know. These, I'm telling you, these people were just filled with the devil. You think? <laughs> one time they pulled a gun on me. They, I thought, man, I learned my lesson. i have to go back over. They, I was just young. They pulled a double-gauge shotgun on me and pointed it right at me, and they were, they were threatening to blow my head off. Okay, these are the kinds of people I grew up with. <laughs> okay, so I had to overcome some things, you know. But I, th- I thought about this. I've forgiven them, praise the Lord. Half of them are dead anyway right now. But um, I'm not happy about that. But I mean, but I thought, you know, that's just, that's how the devil is. He just wants to tear people up and rip them up. And we can literally stop. We can stop the enemy in his tracks. And I want to do that. If you would stand up and stand up for a minute here. Now, I had no earthly idea that I was even going to do this this morning, but I would feel the letter of the Lord that we're going to stop. We're going to break. Some of you have been harassed by some things. Okay? And it's been going on for quite a while. There's harassment of the enemy on you and on your family and your loved ones. and You know, hey, listen, your kids belong to you. They don't belong to the devil. Okay? Amen. Your body belongs to you. It doesn't belong to the devil. <clears throat> and we're going to serve an eviction notice on the enemy right now. He's going to take his lousy, filthy, rotten hands off of you, off your mind, off your family, off your finances, off your relationships right now. Amen? Would you like, like that to happen this morning? Yes. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Father. Whose I am and whom I serve, Father. It's you I serve, Father. I believe with all my heart, Lord, that you have just revealed to me in the process of this service this morning, right now, what we need to do. What needs to take place. When I didn't know previously, didn't even have an inkling that we were going to do this. But I thank you for the direction and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The spontaneous leadings of the Holy Ghost right now. And I take authority as the pastor of this church, Lord. I take authority and I command the devil, demons, and evil spirits to desist in their maneuvers and operations over the people of God that are in this church right now, in this meeting right now. Satan, you take your hands off of people's bodies. You take your hands off of people's children. You take your hands off their finances. We break and take authority over you and command you to stop now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Now say this out loud. Say it after me. Say, devil, devil you, are you are under my feet. You are a defeated foe and you will stay under my feet. You will not torment me no longer. I am free, I am free. By, the blood of Jesus. by the blood of Jesus. Free indeed. Free indeed. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we break every curse, Lord, from people's past, from our lineage and the natural. We break its power in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease. Demonic oppression. Hallelujah. Depression. We break and take authority over depression in Jesus' name. Over every person in this church right now, Father. And I release the joy of the Lord. I release the joy of the Lord into the people right now, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Now every day, from this moment forward, give Jesus permission To bless you every single day. Lord, I remember I told you about that. Many, many, many months, six or seven months ago, the Lord, I was taking a prayer drive, and the Lord said, I want to ask you a question. I didn't hear it with these ears here. I heard it in my spirit, or you hear him too. He says, "Can, can I ask you a question, Keith? I said, yeah. He says, will you give me permission? He said, I would love to bless you every day. He says, but would you give me permission? to bless you every day, spirit, soul, and body. And I started weeping when he told me that. I thought, my God. He goes, Keith, I would love you so much. I just want to, you're my child, just like all of us are. He said, my greatest desire, the Lord says, I want to just bless you. I want to give to you. If you have children, you want to bless them, don't you? How much more our Father wants to bless us? And I'll tell you what, if you give, say, like this. You just say it like this. I said, Father, every day you wake up I did it this morning. I said, Lord, I give you permission to bless me today. Bless our congregation. I love this congregation. I love the people in this church. Amen. And I mean that sincerely, wholeheartedly. God, I'm in love with you. God's in love with you. And I ask you to bless the people today. I give you permission to do that. And one thing I've noticed is that when I say that, Something happens during the course of the day. Something good happens. Last week when I was away, I did that. And I mean, stuff started happening from strangers, complete strangers. Amen? Had a complete stranger come up to us and buy our whole family a meal. Didn't even know us. Didn't even know us. Well, I had sown some of that to other people as well. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a bunch of us together. And this, this lady says, I want to pay for your meal. She even came out and gave us a seat. There was no seats in this restaurant. It was jam-packed, you know. Not only did they give us seats, they paid for our meals as well. And the Lord reminded me, he says, see, amen. We walked into this, uh, like a Whole Foods place. It was like, a, they were. my son and I went there to get something. Some little groceries and stuff for, the, for our room, you know. And uh, didn't know anybody in there. We walk in there, and this guy, like an Indian, like American Indian, young young man, came up to us, started talking to us, you know, and uh, found out he was into self-worship and, and, like, mysticism and things like that, the occult, things like that, you know, and so he just kept talking to us. Remember that, Josh? He just kept talking to us. And, and he asked me what I did and why we were there, so I told him we're ministers, we're here for a convention. He, he was intrigued by that, you know. And... Uh, so, make a long story short, uh, I said, "Well, the Lord, can, the Lord can bless you too." He said, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, the Lord can bless you." And here we ended up praying with him right there in the grocery store. He gave his heart to Jesus. Right, it was easy as cutting butter that was melted. It was that easy. It was like it just fell into our laps. He was so excited. And the Lord said, "Pull out some money and give it to him." He did. He was broke. I don't think he had too much. I said, here's a $20 bill. I said, go buy some. I mean, you would have thought I gave him a million dollars. And I said, that $20 bill is symbolic of God's grace gift to you. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. It was just given to you. That's what God did when he sent his son for you. Amen.